Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. And we're going to be in John chapter 13. We're continuing our study through the Gospel of John and are now in chapter 13. So Jeremy, as we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, we are now at the point in John's Gospel where the rest of it basically is going to be mostly devoted to the last week or so of Jesus' life on earth before being crucified. And we're at a point in time where a lot of these chapters here I think are very familiar to a lot of people. Uh, because there's certainly some of the more pointed uh, passages that we recall when it comes to the last days of Jesus' life as he really interacts at a very personal level with some of his disciples and and teaches in such a way that it certainly resonates with us uh, in a lot of different ways today. So as we get into chapter 13, I think one of those stories uh, that anyone who has studied through the Gospels is going to be somewhat familiar with, and that is, uh, the picture of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And, and that, that's how this chapter is going to begin. And obviously what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks has led us up to this point. And so certainly if you haven't had a chance to study that, go back and do so to get caught up. But here in chapter 13, we see this, uh, this very beautiful picture uh, of Jesus taking on the role of a servant with his disciples. And, and as I was reading through this, no matter how many times you read this, it's very emotional, mm-hmm. I think, and you can only imagine what Jesus must have been feeling. And then I think some of the the love, the confusion that was going on in the minds of his disciples as well is evident here, too. So as we get into chapter 13, what are some of your initial thoughts about this particular story? Well, I think the one thing that stands out is that, you know, we as we've made mention throughout the last couple of weeks, I mean, the timing of everything I think is important to really have in your in your mindset. We've made mention many times of the Gospel of John. You know, as the writer, he, he does a, a great job of chronologically telling the story, but it's not proportionally, you know, exactly mm-hmm. the same throughout from the very beginning of Jesus' life to the time that he's on the cross. As we've made mention, we're really probably, you know, in the last couple of chapters have been coming up on what will really be the very last week that he's here before he's put on the cross. And What's really interesting, really in contrast to chapter 12, where you had Jesus in chapter 12, he was still doing a, 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 a level of teaching where there were a lot of people still involved. I mean, there were a lot of people coming and going, a lot of people listening, mm-hmm. make mention of people still believing in what he has to say. But by the time you get into chapter 13, and certainly in the next several chapters, he's closed the ranks. And, and the picture mm-hmm. we have now is not Jesus on a hillside with thousands of people or, you know, Jesus, you know, on a boat, uh, you know, in the, in the water and there's thousands of people mm-hmm. on, the, on the bank. He's now in a very intimate place with just his closest of followers. And you're going to see very intense conversation take place in this chapter. Certainly in the next couple of chapters, that conversation will continue on. And the picture that's given to, you know, to us here in John chapter 13 is one that is very intimate. I mean, that's kind of the best, you know, word that I can come up with because there's not thousands of people here in the room. There's not hundreds of people uh, privy to this outside of now our opportunities to read it. Mm -hmm. But it was Jesus and his disciples 
and they're in a room, and they're in a room there by themselves, and Jesus, he, he does something that in every way catches them completely off guard. Peter's the one that certainly speaks out, but you, you have to know, and I don't think it's much of a guess, that the other disciples would have been in the same boat yeah. of saying, you know, I don't think Peter's the only one bothered at first yeah. by what Jesus is doing here. I think, I think bothered is a good word to use there. I, I, I tried to imagine, you know, what what I would be thinking if I was in that situation, what would be going through my mind. I mean, these guys, they know who Jesus is. They know that he is the Son of God. And yet here he is putting himself in a a very vulnerable position, uh, taking on the role of a servant to to wash their feet. And as I was thinking about this, one of the things that came to my mind, when you look at John chapter 13, you know, we're going to get into, you know, Jesus identifying Judas and, and the, some of the teaching that he gives them in regards to the new covenant and, and those types of things. And these are, these are deep, personal, important things that Jesus wants to talk to his disciples about. And I, I kept thinking to myself, like, if there was ever a time in Jesus' life where he was going to make something about him, <laughs> yeah. now's the time. Yeah. Right, he keeps telling them, like, you know, I'm not going to be here much longer. I'm not going to be here much longer, and it seems like now, if he was ever going to to turn the spotlight on himself, this would be the time when he does so. And yet, the complete opposite takes place. Right. He puts himself in a servant's role. He 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 kneels down to wash the defeat of his disciples, and it just shows the humility of Jesus and how important that was to him. And I think for, for us today, you know, there's, there's so many times where we make things about ourselves in, in situations that are much less important than what we're talking about here. And, and yet the, the example that Jesus gives to us is that our minds should first go to humility and servitude. And, and those are the things that should be at the forefront of our mind regardless of the situation that we find ourselves in. And he, he's such a great example of that. But that is not something that comes naturally to us. It's something that we have to work at, work at, work at. And no matter how, how old we get, it's always going to be something that we're going to have to continue to teach ourselves to do better at. And Jesus is such a great example of that and one that I hope that I can do a better job following in the future. I think in a lot of ways that's why John chapter 13, verse 1 is so important. With Because what John does is he gives us Jesus' mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what, not all the time do we have exactly, you know, we see a lot of things that he does and a lot of things that he says, but not as often do we get, this is what he was thinking, or this is what he had going on. And that's exactly what you have in in chapter 13, verse 1, where John paints that picture before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so John helps us to understand that Jesus, he knows, he knows that he's about to depart. He's certainly going to talk more about that, you know, here in this chapter and certainly in the next chapter in John 14. But he knows this. He's cognizant of it. It is in his mind that it's not something that he just knows that sometime in the future is going to happen. Mm-hmm. He knows he's days away from mm-hmm. it happening. And, and I think you said rightly that when you put that kind of thought into your mind, the easy step 
is to focus on self at that mm-hmm. point. That's the easy step. But he, he, he bypasses all of those things. And what's talked about here in verse 1, his love and his love certainly for the Father, but his, his love here for the, the people that are with him, his disciples. And so he, he's going to showcase that. He's going to showcase that here. He's going to continue to showcase that. Certainly by sacrificing himself and putting himself on the cross, he will ultimately showcase his love for them. But it's just, it's incredible, I think, how John starts this chapter yeah. with letting us understand, listen, Jesus is aware of everything that's about to happen. Even Judas, mm-hmm. that he'll make mention, you know, in the very next verse. He even is aware of Judas, and I have no doubt there that Jesus is washing Judas's feet, yep. knowing that here's one that's not thinking about betraying him, but John tells us there in verse 2, has already put it into his heart. That decision has been made. But yet here Jesus knows that and washes his feet. Peter, the denials that he's going to make, Jesus knows that's going to happen. He'll make mention of that in this chapter at the very end, but yet he's washing Peter's feet. He knows all of these guys are going to run away. He knows that. But yet here he is washing all of their feet. It is just a remarkable thing when you begin to think about what Jesus knows, but yet still showcases his love here at the very beginning of the chapter. Yeah, and that, that's, I mean, that's almost impossible for us to even comprehend, to have that type of foreknowledge as to what's going to happen and then see the very people in front of you who are going to betray you, deny you, run away from you in your time of need, uh, and yet to still show that type of love to them. I mean, that to me, that says, wow, if I, if I can't bring myself to show love to the people around me, uh, you know, what am I doing here? What, I'm, not, I'm definitely not taking the example that Christ is trying to show me uh, because I'm never going to be in the position that he was in here. And yet, even in those moments, he's able to show that type of love. And I, I love the way you, you mentioned that Peter is really the one that responds, at least the way it's recorded for us, which shouldn't be a surprise to <laughs> us. That seems to be the role that Peter takes on a lot of times. But he, he's the one who kind of revolts a little bit against this and say, you're not going to wash my feet, Jesus. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable with that. And here Jesus takes that opportunity, and we've talked about this several times through our study of John, where he just seizes upon opportunities to teach. And so even in a moment like this, where he's demonstrating his love, he's demonstrating humility, he sees an opening to teach. And so that's exactly what he does. And he talks to them about the need to be cleansed by him. And I think that's a really impactful lesson at this point in time because they're getting the physical connection to this lesson but also Jesus is making the point to them that, that it's me. I'm the one who can cleanse you. And he's kind of made those similar statements in the past. And we, we've talked a little bit about that already. And we talked about it even in the last, our last study in, in chapter 12 as Jesus was entering into Jerusalem and they were praising him with shouts of, Hosanna, save me. And there's this, there's this understanding that that Jesus is pointing to here, that he is the one that can save. He is the one that can cleanse. And they need to see that in him as as him being the source of that cleansing. 
And so even for his disciples, his apostles who have been closest to him, Jesus still sees the need to drive this point home to them, that he's the source of cleansing and the source of salvation for them. And that's going to be so important, certainly, as he leaves and they now take over as teacher um, on, on earth. Uh, that's going to be such an important lesson for them to remember. Yeah, and, and even Jesus knows they're going to struggle with the understanding of, of all of that right now, but they're going to get mm-hmm. it. And I mean, he even makes mention of it there in verse 7 after, you know, Peter says, you know, he kind of, you know, you have the question there in verse 6, Lord, are you washing my feet? And I, I think that that's, you know, that's said with a, a little bit of jump back, mm-hmm. you know, you, you shouldn't be doing, you know, you shouldn't right. be doing this. Not that, you know, Peter was confused about what Jesus was doing. He knew exactly what <laughs> Jesus is doing. But he's like, yeah. he's not comfortable with it in any way. But, you know, Jesus says there, verse 7, what I'm doing, you're not going to understand right now. But you will. And I think you make an interesting point about the, the level of teaching that this one particular scene generates for his disciples. You know, the, the easy one, uh, I think, is, you know, when you get down to the very end, is the one even that you didn't make mention. I mean, there's spiritual and physical, you know, applications to the same thing that Jesus provides. Mm-hmm. That, yes, he, he is the, the idea of cleansing. He is the idea of salvation. He is the one. He'll make that point famously in the very next chapter mm-hmm. that when he says in chapter 14, I'm the way. I'm, you want to get to the Father, you've got to go through me. I'm the way to get there. And so you have that picture, but yet at the same time, he gets to the very end of this and he generates the almost the physical side of saying, listen, you've got to take care of one another. I'm not going mm-hmm. to be here. You've got to do these kinds of things for each other. Yeah. And so the levels of teaching in what is a, a, just a kind of an everyday, you know, kind of circumstance that takes place. They're, they wash they wash their feet. Their mm-hmm. feet get dirty and they wash them. And now Jesus takes that very everyday occurrence and the level of teaching that he's able to generate out of that is remarkable. And I think sometimes we miss those opportunities today, that in the general everyday occurrences of life, there's God in all of that. And we've got to be able to see that ourselves for mm-hmm. sure, but we've got to be able to articulate that to other folks, that he is in everyday occurrences, and Jesus was a master at taking advantage of those opportunities. And I think when we look through passages like this, and we've talked about lots of others in the mm-hmm. Gospel of John, I, I think it should generate us to say, listen, I need to look for those opportunities as well. Yeah, and look for them in, in maybe untraditional ways at times, yeah. because I, I think that's one of the things that Jesus, as you pointed out, was so good at. You know, it's it's easy if we say, okay, we've got, you know, a Bible study set up at this time with right. this individual who's interested in knowing more about Jesus. You know, those, those types of opportunities are great when sure. they're made available to us. But we also have to look for those opportunities that, that kind of have to be created yeah. based on the situation. And, and that, I think, as you pointed out, is is one of the things that Jesus was so good at. You know, no matter what the situation was— he was able to create an environment in which he was able to teach. And that is something that, again, I think, you know, as you pointed out, we can do that today, but it's something we're going to have to work at quite a bit because that requires a mindset that you're always looking for the opportunity to create that environment in which you can teach. So, you know, whether you're at the grocery store or you're at work, you're at school, wherever you may be, your mind is always looking for those opportunities 
so that when they are available, you, you're, you're right there, you're ready, right. and you've prepared yourself for that moment. That, that's really taking this idea of, of serving others and taking the gospel of Jesus to the world to a whole new level, and that's what Jesus was. His, his mind was such that everyone he saw and every situation he was in, it was all about teaching them, helping them, serving them, that, that's what it was all about for him. And so these things seemingly came naturally to him because that's where every part of him was looking for those opportunities. And if we can do the same today, man, I think the opportunities are there. They're out there. But we've got to be prepared to take advantage of them when they come our way. Yeah, the easy, lazy way to look at things like this is, is for us to very quickly put into our mind, well, I'm not Jesus. You yeah. know, I'm not Jesus. I don't have you know, his level of understanding. I don't have his level of teaching. I'm not Jesus. And sometimes we, and, and listen, we're not. We're right. not Jesus. Sure. And that, absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes we, we put that and it becomes that, you know, justification for not, you know, reaching out in any way or not serving in any way or not teaching in any way because, hey, listen, I'm not Jesus. And, and we're not, but it, as Christians, I mean, we're striving to be like him. Mm-hmm. We're striving to learn from him. We're striving to be more like him in every way. And, and this is an opportunity to do that, to teach like him, to serve like him, mm-hmm. to be humble as he is. You've been, mentioned humility uh, you know, a few minutes ago, and that, that's a big point about what's made towards the, you know, the end of that story when they're having a conversation, and they, they recognize who he is. He's the master. Yeah. He's God. He's Lord. He's the teacher. He rec- they recognize all of those things, and then that's why he gets into that level of teaching and makes the point that, listen, even the master and the teacher, because he, he doesn't deny those things. He doesn't say, oh, don't, don't call me master or teacher or Lord, because he knows he is those things. But he makes the point that, listen, you can't be beyond still serving others. And it's just a, it's a powerful lesson on service, but also that powerful lesson on humility that you made mention of already. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things as we get further into this chapter is that in the midst of all of that, there sits a man who's going to betray him. <laughs> yeah. And yet that doesn't impact Jesus' intent on teaching and showing love. And certainly, you know, as we get into the this section of it, Jesus is very much aware of the plans that Judas has made to betray him, and he makes it known that he's aware of that. And yet, again, it doesn't seem to impact his approach in the moment to wanting to help, wanting to serve, wanting to teach, wanting to love that doesn't seem to have an impact on him because even after he identifies Judas here, he's going to continue on talking about love yeah. and those types of things. It's like I, the the amount of love that it must take to be in a situation like that, looking at the man who's going to betray you, a man whom you've trusted and been, spent time with over the last several years, and yet even that doesn't derail you. You know, I mean, it seems like the the natural reaction in a situation like that would be to lash out, mm-hmm. would be to, you know, turn on him, have everybody else turn on him. I mean, there's so many things that, emotionally that must have been going on, and yet it doesn't seem to affect Jesus' mentality. It doesn't seem to affect uh, his intent with the time that he has to spend with his disciples. And that's, that in and of itself is amazing to me, to, to be able to, to think about what must have been going on in the head and the mind of Christ 
and yet to see how he's able to put that aside and still stay focused on what his goal is. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's one thing to to say that he's got knowledge that is going to be betrayed or he's going to be denied, but he had specific knowledge mm-hmm. of that. And that that's on display here in this chapter. I mean, you, you made mention it, it's not just that he knows someone is going to betray him, and he's trying to look in the eyes of you know all of his disciples to see who flinches or right. whatever. He knows who it is. Yeah. And, I mean, he make and I mean that's a, you know from verses twenty one down to verse twenty seven when he's talking about it and saying, "Listen, one of you is going to do that," and they may not know who it is. Mm-hmm. Judas knows who it is, mm-hmm. but then he says, "Listen, it, it is he." Verse twenty six whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And he dips the bread and gives it to (laughs) Judas. And so he knows exactly who it is. And and even at the very end of this chapter, you know, with Peter, it's not that he knows someone is going to deny him, not once, not twice, Mm -hmm. but three times. Mm -hmm. It's not just, I know somebody, who's it going to be? He tells Peter, you're going to be the one that's going to do it. And before the rooster crows three times, listen, you're going to, you're going to do this. And so his specific knowledge, but yet guess what? He washes Judas's feet, yep. and he washes Peter's feet, and he talks about the importance of love, and he talks about the importance of loving one another, and he knows all of these things. And so that level, and so to me it brings, not that Judas or Peter certainly was, you know, Jesus's enemy per se, but you, you go back to his teaching, you know, like in the Sermon on the Mountain, certainly all throughout about the, this is the level of love that he had for, for everybody. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's high level love, but that's what we're called. That's the kind of love that we're called upon to display. Mm-hmm. I've always found it interesting, this this interaction that takes place, you know, at, at the at the meal where Jesus identifies Judas, it, it almost seems as if the rest of the apostles aren't aware right. of, of what exactly just happened. Judas clearly is. Jesus clearly is. But it seems as if the rest of the apostles don't quite figure out what's going on here. And yet, I think the, the point is made that, that Jesus identifies his betrayer. And I think there is something to be said for the fact that he wanted him to know that he knew. Mm-hmm. And, that was, and that was important. And obviously, you know, we're going to continue on the story. It didn't change anything with Judas and the, what he ended up doing. Um, but there is, I think, some level of importance to the fact that Jesus wanted him to know that he was aware of what was going to happen. And I think the same could be said for what he said with Peter. He wanted Peter to know yeah. that, that Jesus knew what was going to happen. And obviously we get the story of, of when Peter finally realizes all of that, and we'll get to that later. But I think there, there's something for, for us to, to glean from just recognizing the fact that Jesus, as you pointed out, knew the specifics of all of this. And he very clearly wanted them to know that he knew the specifics of all of this. And I think one of the impactful things that we can take from that is that it didn't change anything for him. You know, I, the, the love that he had for, for Judas, I think, was still there. He still loved Judas. And, right. and, and Peter the same. He still loved Peter. And I think the, the impact behind what we're going to get to in just a moment in regards to this new commandment as it's worded is just that. Yeah, I agree. Because the love that he wants us to have is quote, as I have loved you. And so on the heels of pointing out the fact that Judas is going to betray him and just prior to, to pointing out to Peter that he's going to, be, that he's going to d- deny him, 
Those things haven't impacted the love that Jesus has for them. And that's the example that he wants us to follow. It's not just love when everything's going well and everyone's treating you well. It's love even in the face of of those who are going to turn their backs on you or actively harm you. Yeah, and and it is that love that's new. It's that Mm -hmm. um, illustration that he's going to give. It's that parallel of himself that we need to follow, and that's what makes it new. And, you know, when he, you know, after he gets through, you know, with Judas, and uh, apparently Judas leaves, and, you know, that's, you know, kind of all she wrote, you know, there in verse 30, having received the piece of bread, he he went out immediately, Mm -hmm. and it was night. And we can, you know, certainly turn to other gospel accounts to get a better picture of where we know exactly where Judas goes. And we'll see right where he pops up again, you know, a little bit later. But, you know, then, you know, it's interesting that he moves to some very familiar territory, the glory that he has to God and the importance of glorifying God. He talks about that again. I mean, we've talked about that nearly in every single chapter Mm -hmm. in the Gospel of John. I think it certainly is one of the thematic pieces, you know, in John about the importance of in every aspect of your life, glorifying God is a key aspect of that. And then he, he, he makes the point again, listen, I'm, I'm not going to be around forever. I'm, go, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave soon. And, and, you know, he does make the point here that we'll have, uh, next week we'll have more time to talk about where he says, listen, I'm not going to be here anymore. Where I go, you, you can't come. Yeah. And that, that, I think, really generates the entire conversation for chapter 14, mm-hmm. that one statement that he makes here in John 13 that, you know, there in verse 33, where I'm going, you, cannot, you can't come with me. And then that, I think, leads our next conversation to John 14. But to right where you were in 34 and 35, he says, listen, here's a new commandment. I want you to love as I have loved you. And it includes here John 13, certainly mm-hmm. in the way that he loves, but also includes what's going to happen in the next couple of days yeah. of the, him literally sacrificing his life out of love for others. And he says, listen, this is the kind of love that I want you to have. Mm-hmm. And it is this kind of love that I want you to have for everybody, not, not just the ones that love you back, yeah. Because guess what? I have this love for Judas, right. and I have this love for Peter, mm-hmm. and I have this love for all you guys, and all you guys here in a few days are going to run away. Yeah. And he knows that, and they, they don't see it there. Peter he doesn't even see it here, and he gets pretty specific with mm-hmm. Peter, and he doesn't see it till later. But it is this kind of love that Jesus is pushing for. Yeah, and it, it's, as you said, it, it's not just love when and how you're loved. Right. But even it's not even you know as as was in the Old Testament and even as Jesus has has quoted previously, the idea of of loving others as you love yourself is now even right. taking it beyond that. Right. And so I think that's really where this this whole new commandment language comes from is is because this is an entirely different level. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with how you're being treated. This is now love as Jesus loves. And when, when you're going to see what takes place over the next few days, this is really going to hit home. Right. Because you're going to see Jesus who has been betrayed, who has been denied. People are going to lie about him. People are going to beat him, spit on him. He is going to be just run through the mud and then killed on a cross. And yet he is going to continually love everyone. Yeah. That is a love that is almost incomprehensible. And that, that's the love that we're called to have for each other and for other people. And, and really, I think that's why I think this, uh, the new commandment language is so appropriate here. Right. Because he is really taking this to a level in which mankind prior to Christ hasn't been able to fully understand. But once we see Christ and the example that he sets for us, 
that that commandment and that example is one that man is supposed to follow from here on, and that's a big, big task to live up to. Yeah, and I think it's important there in verse 35 to, to make note that this is an identifying marker for the disciple. Mm-hmm. You have this kind of love, and, the, and people are going to see it and notice that and see Jesus. And if you, you don't have this kind of love, I think Jesus is saying, you're not one of my disciples. I mean, it, it is an identifying yeah. marker. Now, there are several, but this is one of them. This is an mm-hmm. identifying marker of a disciple. And if this isn't the kind of love that is going to define the kind of love that you showcase, you're not a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's why that, that verse is so important. There in verse 35, that by this all will know that you're my disciples, if you have this kind of love for one another. And so he's certainly talking in a very specific way to his his disciples that are there, but it is certainly for all of us as disciples of Jesus today that this is the kind of love that we've got to have for other people. And even Peter here is, you know, we talked a little bit about it already, as he's kind of asking, you know, where are you going? And, hey, I'll go with you. And, (laughs) And Jesus is making the point, you can't go where I'm going. And, and, you know, Peter says there in verse number 37, Lord, why can't I follow you? I'll lay down my life for your sake. And I think he believes that. I do. And, yeah. and really, in, on some level, he even exhibits the fact that he would in the garden. I mean, he, yeah. he literally is ready to, to seemingly fight to the death on behalf of Christ. Right. And so I think you're right. There's a sense in which he believes that and even a sense in which he would do it. And yet still Peter, even as we're going to see, you know, he ultimately will deny Jesus as Jesus predicts here three times. And I think it just goes to show uh, just how much of a challenge this truly is to, to live up to the example that Jesus is setting, uh, no matter the time, no matter the setting, but to always be of that mindset, even for someone like Peter who is ready to die for Christ, even he's going to struggle with this. And so if he's going to, I know I'm going to, and it's something I've got to be constantly on guard for. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we see, well, Peter will draw his sword in the moment, but he draws his sword when he's surrounded by people, Mm -hmm. and so he has that support. But where he fails is when he's all by himself. And we've got to be on guard in all of those moments when we have the strength of others around us, but also we've got to have that level of strength when we're all by ourselves. And, and, you know, that's ultimately where Peter is going to, you know, he's going to fail in that moment. But you listen, not to give the end away, I mean, he'll bounce (laughs) back from that. But, you know, it's just, it's a remarkable chapter of love and humility and certainly one that needs to be emulated. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and stop there. I want to thank everyone for taking some time out of your morning to study along with us. Hopefully this has given you some things to think about as you study on your own. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to join us next week. We'll be in John chapter 14 next week. Uh, If you're in the area and looking for a place to worship, we'd love to invite you to come and join us. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by worship at 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. Sunday evening. And we also have Bible study Wednesday night at 7 p.m. So please come and join us at any of those that you may have a chance to. So thanks again for your time. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.